0: Give you all a warm welcome to our service tonight. We'll begin by singing Psalm 100 from the Scottish Psalter. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice, Him serve with mirth. His praise forth tell, come ye before Him and rejoice. We'll sing the whole psalm. Shall we pray? Lord, we give thanks that we can have our time together tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we pray that as we read it, we'll find it. As your word indicates itself, it would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we need that as we make our way through life. We need to have guidance and direction from yourself. And we thank you that your word gives us that whether it is by means of straightforward commandments or by illustrations that speak powerfully uh, to our minds. And we do give you thanks for this particular imagery of um, the Good Shepherd and we know it occurs frequently in the Bible and it's one that has a very uh, aspects to it that are very straightforward to grasp and we just pray Lord you would help us as we uh, think about another verse from uh, Psalm 23 shortly we know that it has been applied to uh, people in all kinds of different circumstances and we it's always true that we always need the direction of this particular psalm since it describes uh, all the days of our lives Lord we pray therefore that you would speak to us from it and even if all that is said has been heard before uh, we pray Lord that it would be an encouragement to all of us and would help us as we face our lives at present uh, we thank you that you always have your eyes on your people and you know where each of them is at any given time and you've got your eye on your flock and you are providing for them in lots of different ways. Sometimes we are more conscious of that than at other times uh, sadly quite often we take much of it for granted and even things like having your own word we take for granted and we remember that there are still many parts of the world which don't have your word in their own language and yeah, we have it and we can turn to it at any time that we wish. And that, What else can we say about other aspects of your kindness to us? The fact is that often we don't use them as often as we should or even as often as we could so Lord, we pray that you would um, remind us of these various means of grace that you have given to us and that they would be helpful to us uh, day by day, whether it's praying to you or having fellowship with your people or reading your word and others as well. We realize the evil one tries to keep us from using these things and he'll divert us in whatever way he can find and we need to be kept from his devices because while we may sense him when he comes as a roaring lion uh, it's harder when he comes as an angel of light and therefore Lord we pray that you would um, give us wisdom uh, to know how to deal with his uh, tactics Lord, um, then bless your word to us, we pray, uh, tonight as we gather around it. Remember, any who can't be here, uh, for various reasons, we commit them to you. And we pray you'd remember the congregation, each person in it, and help them all at this particular uh, time. And remember uh, the Renick families in particular, we pray, Lord, you would help them as they go through this Experience, Lord, be with um, others we know who are not well. We commit such to you, and we ask you to help them in their troubles and trials. We pray for our, our country. We have a uh, great need of spiritual um, power. We are very weak. The reality is, your church is always weak, but uh, there are times when it is weaker than other times, and. Uh, We are certainly weak today and uh, as far as numbers are concerned, uh, we just pray that you in your great mercy would um, come and revival power and do uh, something greater than has ever happened before. Uh, We know that it has to be greater even in a numerical sense because there are many more people alive today than there were in revivals of the past and therefore lord we just ask that you would stretch out your mighty hand and bring uh, grace to many millions of people it's not beyond your power and we ask you lord to do it even this year has started uh, we pray it would be a good year as far as your kingdom is concerned so lord uh, remember these kind of prayers that we're putting up and we know they've been put up for a long time and we just ask lord that you would um, uh, help them, uh, help your cause and prosper it so be with us Lord we pray and remember us in all ways and pardon us for Christ's sake, Amen we'll sing again this time from Psalm 27 we'll sing Psalms, section, sorry, the verse begin at verse 7 to 14 Lord hear me when I call to you, be merciful and speak Come, seek my face, you told my heart. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Verses 7 to 14. Uh, We can read from the book of Psalms and Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And may God bless that reading. We'll now sing from Psalm 31 and Sing Psalms, verses 19 to 24. Your goodness, Lord, is very great, prepared for those who fear your name. You show your goodness openly to all who your protection claim verses 19 to 24 we can turn back to uh, Psalm 23 and we'll consider together verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, as you we can all see in the structure of the psalm, this is the conclusion of it. Um, in verse 1, we have David's um, proposition, as it were, where he said that because the Lord is his shepherd, he would never want, and which in some ways is a very bold statement and perhaps we might um, wonder if that is uh, always the case. Is that a uh, special privilege that only David had uh, as opposed to to others? But uh, I think he's indicating it is uh normal state of affairs um, I don't think he's indicating that on every given day there won't be some period in that particular day that he will not need something but he, he is suggesting that um, and in the days that will make up his life God will always supply what he needs and um, <coughs> We noted that he gave two examples um, of the kinds of days that people are going to experience. And I suppose they are the only two kinds of days that are. There are the days when everything goes well and there are the days when there's trouble of one kind or another and they do describe life, don't they? Now, uh, normally, that, well, these are the two things we have, trouble-free days or troublesome days. And you take, I think he takes these two illustrations and says, well, since that's the kind of days I'm going to have, then goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And the two examples he gave well, there might be more of one than of the other but in reality they cover all the days of his life and uh, that kind of encourages us doesn't it to um, say to ourselves well what goodness and mercy did I get yesterday and Even since we are now at the evening of today What goodness and mercy did I get today? And tomorrow How does it make us feel to know that there will be goodness and mercy uh, All the days of our lives It is good to reflect on how God does um, Fulfill this promise of ensuring that there'll be goodness and mercy every day. And I think the psalmist is encouraging us to look for it and um, to take note of it. Now, if you're anything like me, I can't remember what happened last week. And I suppose that we want to get comfort from knowing uh, of God's providence. We should actually take note of it, this time of year, it's a time of, apparently diaries sell well in December and people intend to fill them in January and some of these diaries have got a, an A4 size sheet for every day and, um, and I suppose people have intentions that they're going to complete the diary but usually by January the 14th they've forgotten all about it and, um, and they don't write it down and I suppose it is a fairly basic question how do we remember things if we don't write them down? Uh, one of the kinds of books that sell quite well in, in Christian uh, uh, literature is diaries and it's it's not, it's not just diaries from the long ago it's um I, I remember, this is from long ago, but I, I remember when I was uh, first converted uh, one of the books that was uh, very influential was, was the Diaries of Jim Elliot and and he had only, he only lived till he was about 29 or something, but he, he had, the diaries were that thick, and, and every one of them was full of um, statements that he had just written down about how goodness and mercy had uh, followed him uh, all the days of his life and None of us, I I suppose, expect someone 50 years from now to be reading our musings on our life. But it's, um, it's, I think it's an important thing to do, to take note of what God does. Because otherwise we forget. And um, and that's just a fact of life. So David here is very confident that... um, he'll have this experience uh, of God's provision all the days of his life now the, so this is a difference between a difference here between it's often being pointed out but there, there's a difference here between what angels experience and what we experience I mean God looks after angels And they could say, goodness, God's goodness will follow me all the days of my life And since angels never die, then goodness is going to be, they're going to get a lot of experience of God's goodness But uh, angels can't sing about God's mercy Well they can, but they, they don't sing about mercy to them well they certainly sing in the book of Revelation about mercy to God's people but they are singing about that as observers uh, and not as um, those who have actually experienced it and in some ways that's
1: that's
0: quite astonishing because angels are far more intelligent than we are and and I reckon their memories are, are very good and they can probably uh, recall what was done for them because sometimes in the Bible we're told how some angels are helped by other angels and, uh, and that's a, a sign of God's goodness to that particular angel but they can't sing of God's mercy whereas every Christian can sing of God's mercy and it's, it's a wonderful um, reality and in heaven the angels may sing about us but they can't sing with us when it comes to uh, God's mercy it's something they are strangers to and they'll never fully understand it And and that should be an encouragement to us to just to praise God for his mercy because mercy by definition is always undeserved goodness well there's a certain sense in which if uh, an angel does what is meant to do then it deserves what is given to it or to him but we can never merit anything and it's the unworthy that sing uh, this verse goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life now the word mercy here is is, is a word that's normally used for God's steadfast love it's it's, it's broader than just showing mercy for sin there is um, mercy can be shown to the needy and it, it's not being shown to them being just because they're they um, they get shown mercy because they need help and it's not just something that happens to sinners, you want to put it that way it's not, just pardon mercy here is a broader concept Includes, includes everything that's, that God has for those who are in need so there can be things like comfort and, and um, giving us strength and all that kind of thing included here in mercy so it's not just that we, t- we experience God's mercy when we uh, confess our sins to him but that we receive his mercy in lots of different ways I read what one man said about this particular line surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and he actually, his comment on it was uh, when faith has said this what else can it say? if someone is supposed to say to us "Eh, tell me about God and if we're Christians and people know we're Christians they should ask us that question tell us about your God well we'd have to say it in words that they could understand but if we say to them every day I experience His goodness and mercy what more can I say because that just describes everything in the Christian life, the experience with God. So it's a, it's a wonderful statement full of confidence and trust in the Lord surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now as we, I want to think about two things basically one is goodness and mercy and the second one is our permanent home we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sometimes, when we think about God, we kind of divide Him into sections, and we each of these sections we call attributes, and uh, we give the impression at times that God is part holy, part love. Heart, powerful and so on and we kind of separate these attributes one from another and we sometimes discuss them uh, separately from one from another but that's not that doesn't really give a, a, a very helpful way of looking at God because everything about God for example is holy his love is holy, his power is holy and so on but at the same time everything about God is loving and everything about him at the same time is powerful all these attributes they, they point to everything that's in God and, and all of them are in God all the time he's not, he's not acting holy at one moment and then acting loving at the next time he, is, he He always acts in which everything that is in him is involved and I think it's it's important to think of God in that way because that's the way we think of each other isn't it? and we're made in the image of God but then we have to ask why is David highlighting two of them here goodness and mercy and I don't know if this will help but it, it kind of uh, came to my mind we, we meet somebody and after getting to know them for a while we realize that they are wise and kind and but when we say they are wise and kind uh, we are not suggesting that they don't have anything else about them are we? I mean if they're wise and kind then they they obviously have got power to do things and they're thoughtful and all that kind of connections but we see them through their wisdom and their kindness but we know that there's a lot more to them than their wisdom and their kindness and it's the same with God as, as obviously in a higher level but his sheep as they look at their God they see everything about Him through these kind of two ways His goodness and His mercy but when they when they're saying goodness and mercy shall follow me they're not suggesting that anything else about God doesn't come as well but these are the two ways that everything about Him is revealed to them this is how His love is revealed to them, His goodness and mercy This is how His power is revealed to them, His goodness and mercy This is how His holiness is revealed to them, His goodness and mercy this, They are, one to put it this way, they are windows into what we are seeing, what God is like and through them we see His constant care His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives I don't think David is suggesting that some things God does are good and some things are merciful. I think he's indicating that everything God does is good and everything God does for his people is merciful. He doesn't deal with us any other way, always goodness and merciful. And they they just happen together all the time. God's kindness and his good actions on our behalf now the David here uses a a very graphic picture when he says they shall follow me now it's a picture so we have to ask how far behind us are they? how far behind us is God's goodness and mercy Is a mile behind us? Imagine yourself as a sheep walking along and there before your eyes is a wolf How far away is God's mercy and goodness in that situation? And the picture that God, sorry, David uses here is that the goodness and mercy are right at our heels they're not away in the path, away behind us somewhere, miles away that we cannot see them they're not even keeping the image of the sheep they're not even ten yards behind us but they're, they are actually right behind us and the, the word itself as translated follow was normally used in a more aggressive sense it was used to describe what a victorious army would be doing to its defeated enemies it would be out to pursue them just to make sure they couldn't do anything again it was was a very close contact and David is saying here that God's goodness and mercy is rapid it comes immediately at the very moment that we need it It's there God doesn't delay to give it It just comes And it doesn't just come once but it comes constantly It's going to be there every day of our lives And it's I mean how many days do we live? Oh yourselves can work that one out for ourselves but On all of them this constant divine provision occurred and we can see David in the psalm mentions it I mean if he's having a a good day a calm day well it just comes God's goodness and mercy comes it comes as he travels there in verses 2 and 3 he goes through all the green pastures and at noontime the hot hot time of the day God brings them to rest and then in the afternoon again they go through paths of righteousness God's goodness and mercy is just there he doesn't take a step without it but even when the the bad days come, the difficult days when they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and they're, they're meandering up this valley in which there's um, as people who know the land of Israel tell us there's kind of ravines beside it and easy to fall off and all that kind of a thing but God's there with his rod and with his staff when there's wild animals about to pounce or when the sheep itself is getting too close to the edge well these rod and staff they deal with the situation it's instantaneous instantaneous goodness and mercy and of course one of the problems of a continual stream of instantaneous things is that we fail to notice them isn't it? if there is constant provision we fail to notice them if they only happened once a day then we might notice it if it only happened once a week we are liable to notice even more but the psalmist is telling us here that it happens every day all the time constantly and that of course gives us a real insight into the the attention that the Shepherd gives to each of his sheep when is there a moment where we are not in need there might be our own sinfulness or it could be temptations from the devil or it could be just the world pressurizing us when is there a moment when we are not in need But the help comes As the psalmist says in Psalm 46 God is our refuge and our strength A very present help in trouble He's there Constantly helping those who trust in him and it's, But as I say if it's coming constantly We're liable not to notice it and therefore it's good to think about it even at the end of the day to take 10 minutes and say to ourselves well what did God do for me today? and as, as the quota says count your blessings and name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done and therefore we should just do that because they're there they're just, they just happen as part of God's covenant faithfulness if he doesn't come to our aid then we're in trouble now it could be that um, David here is thinking of um, what God said to Moses uh, way back in Exodus chapter 32 and um, Some people talk about having a a life verse But if there is a verse in the Bible that could be counted a national verse for Israel It is the one that occurs in Exodus 33 and 34 Because this verse keeps getting repeated in the Old Testament You know the Psalm where it says the Lord our God is merciful and He is gracious long suffering and slow to wrath and mercy plenteous where does that that come from well it comes from this what God said about himself in Exodus chapter 32 and 33 and um, I'm sure we know the passage well but Moses said to God on this particular day please show me your glory and God said to him return I will make all my goodness pass before you I will proclaim before you my name the Lord so God says to Moses in response to Moses' prayer I'm going to show you um, my goodness and then in the following chapter he tells us what this goodness is he says the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty and so on there in Exodus 33 and 34 God's goodness and his mercy are intertwined and That twin concept, it occurs repeatedly in the Old Testament, that the Lord, his mercy and his goodness go together. And because that is the case, some translations of verse 9, they don't have the word surely there, instead what they have is the word only only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and the word that's translated surely can also be translated only so as as we go through life what are we to expect from God? it doesn't mean life is going to be problem free because we have to go through the valley of the shadow but what do we get in good days or difficult days what is God going to give us and what is he going to give to us immediately right at our heels every step that we take behind them all that's God's goodness and mercy and that's extraordinary isn't it because we we talk about the riches of his grace but uh, God just keeps on giving giving abundantly the riches of His grace endlessly all through life so whatever else we can say about day about our day say to somebody have had a good day or you say to somebody have had a terrible day but we have to ask ourselves when we say that what made it good and, did God not do anything about the terribleness? Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And if that alternative translation is correct Only goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives Our God, He changes not What He is on Monday, He'll be on Tuesday and if he gives goodness and mercy on Monday he'll give it on Tuesday as well he doesn't change Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever our heavenly shepherd doesn't have days where he feels indifferent to the sheep all of them are in his mind and he constantly provides for them this may seem too good to be true but what the psalmist tells us and I would suggest if we search closely enough we'll see that it's true goodness and mercy are given whatever circumstances we are in and since that is the case the psalmist tells us he can live in the house he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Now David lived in many houses, but it almost seemed that in the various houses that he lived in there were issues, I mean when Samuel went to anoint him, well what did the rest of David's family think of him? They didn't even think he was worth uh, joining the lineup to see which of the sons of Jesse was going to be anointed by Samuel. So even there, in his father's house, he was kind of despised. And indeed one of the psalms we sung. He gives the impression that there was an occasion when his father and mother forsook him. and then when he, he married the daughter of Saul and life was not great in that house either and then he went on the run and he had to live in a cave for years a cave of Adullam and after that even when he got to the palace the palace where he ruled, from where he ruled as king well there were lots of times when it was marked by uncertainty and troubles came along and we were familiar with them all his earthly houses in one way or another were marked by insecurity but he was looking forward to the house that was permanent for I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever now he's not suggesting that this house is just for him this house is for all of God's people and when I mean latterly, David was in the palace and that was a bigger house than any of the other ones that he had but obviously Inevitably it wouldn't be big enough for all the believers to be in at that time But he was looking forward to a house that would be big enough For all God's people to be in it eternally And the fact that he's going to be in it forever tells us that the resources are limitless As we think about heaven because that's what he's talking about here How many people are going to be in heaven? Well the book of Revelation tells us it's a number that no one can count And all of them In that place of glory There's a sense in which it just carries on what's happening in this wife And that is that the Lord of the house He provides for everyone that's going to be there in this life He gives us end, con- continuous grace he expresses His kindness towards us in the world to come He's going to give us continuous glory whatever that means He's going to meet whatever our uh, requirements are going to be in the world to come as out of His infinite resources He provides for us endlessly and and sometimes when we speak about that We're We're out of our depths What is heaven like? And Jesus Himself Uses the words that are very familiar Very similar to what David used here The David talks about the house of the Lord And Jesus talks about My father's house And my father's house Are are many rooms I go to prepare a place for you and he, he's saying to these disciples there in the upper room and they were apprehensive about what was happening and the, they were hearing Jesus saying things like he's going to be arrested and so on and he says he tells them not to be worried in my father's house are many rooms and I don't think it's too much to suggest that well Jesus was a carpenter and and he made many rooms as a carpenter and in these rooms there would be touches of his ability and Whatever it was that benefited from him And Nazareth and so on As he was uh, working with Joseph in the carpenter shop We can be assured that uh, Jesus His rooms were excellent And whatever the person wanted to have in the rooms Jesus would have provided it and in this great heavenly house this picture of heaven, the world to come of these limitless rooms well Jesus is preparing each one of them we're not to take it literally of course but, but how do we understand heaven? I mean he- heaven is a, a place for meeting with the Lord and, and normally in life we meet with people in rooms and we like to meet with them in comfortable rooms and suitable rooms and pleasant rooms and Jesus there in that very vivid picture is telling us that each of us if we get to heaven will have a perfect room and that room is prepared by Jesus and he is whatever It's an illustration, but Whatever will be suited for us It will be there And in that room We'll meet with Jesus And just discover things from Him I mean, it's it's a wonderful picture It points to the closeness Of the heavenly experience The The intimacy The preciousness Of meeting with Jesus And meeting with his His people in the world to come And that's why he chose the picture Wasn't it? To make it easier for his disciples to understand For Peter There's a room for you Peter Despite your um, Reluctance to listen to me At this precise moment and there's a room for you, Philip even though you're just about to say what does it mean that you're the way, the truth and the life? They're, they were slow of understanding, but there's a room for them and there's Thomas who needed special attention when he was here on earth because of his, his tendency to see the negative There's a room for Him in the world to come And there's a room for all of us Ideally suited to each of us because God has made each of us different and unique And um, I mean the heavenly house is not like some of the hotels we go to where every room is the same And if you go into one you go into them all but there there's uniqueness and there's diversity and it's an image and we can't no one can actually fully explain it until we actually see it but one thing is certain when we see the room that Jesus provided we won't want to change anything it will just be perfect forever and that's the House of the Lord, full of rooms, who can understand it, but it 's a what marvelous picture that 's there, and David is looking forward to being in the house of the Lord forever and of course that 's what he is now. David has been there for thousands of years, and he is glad in the presence of the Lord, as he said in Psalm 16, obviously talking about Jesus but he was also talking about just the atmosphere of heaven and he says, in your presence is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So this destination that believers are going to. Well, the Bible stretches language to, to help us appreciate it It's a heavenly country The land of far distances Or the, it's a land, of, <coughs> a land of immeasurable dimensions It's a city Full of inhabitants All of whom are praising the Lord Indeed it gets so big The picture of heaven in the Bible That it's actually going to involve the entire cosmos A new heavens and a new earth In which righteousness dwells It's extraordinary isn't it? The glory ahead Words are Kind of limited well words that we use in this life are kind of limited For it describing the next life But well, we have these pictures to help us appreciate it And David is up there in heaven now And he's been there as I said a minute ago for thousands of years And his, he's the man after God's own heart Now has a perfect heart and he he participates in the in all the joy of heaven, but as I'm sure we know, heaven's not the end of the story, or where we go there when we when we die is not the end of the story. The um, souls of believers at their death made perfect in holiness, and so on but they are still longing they are longing for something better it's great to go to heaven when we die but that is not the ultimate state of our perfection because ahead of us and ahead of David is resurrection I mean there is something in all God's people that requires them to have their bodies in order for them to have the fullness of glory and Job, he's with David now in, in the house of many mansions but Job, as he told us there in Job 19 he's looking forward to the time when he'll be resurrected from the dead and in that resurrection state he'll see the Saviour and that's part of the beauty of heaven isn't it that the, the sheep will see the shepherd So all the sheep the flock numbering, of, numbering in billions all of them will see the shepherd and indeed we're told in Revelation chapter 7 and as we mentioned earlier the idea of not tonight but earlier when we're thinking of verse 1 the idea of the word shepherd has also got the concept of being a king because the kings of Israel were regarded as shepherds of their people and when we, when we turn to that picture of glory in Revelation chapter 7 then we're told that the lamb who is in the midst of the throne that's, that's where he is he's in the midst of the throne the king the lamb was in the midst of the throne he shall shepherd them and shall lead them to living fountains of waters and he he leads them to the living fountains of waters without leaving the throne I mean it's, it's imagery but the shepherd king in the eternal ages will guide his numberless flock into the springs of living water and I I suspect the springs of living water is just a picture of God so the, the Lamb in the midst of the throne will take all his family members And enable all of them To explore Who God is And even as springs of living water Are satisfying to the body So We'll be satisfied As Jesus reveals to us The riches That are found in God And we might think the father's house is miles away from where we are now But David, we'll close with this, but How was David prepared for the house of the Lord? He was prepared for the house of the Lord in glory by going to the house of God in time he went up to the tabernacle and at the tabernacle he discovered truth about God and we we got something much better than the tabernacle we've got the church but but in the church we're prepared, we're prepared For the glory to come Because in the church Jesus Who is our prophet, priest and king He teaches us about God and His grace And that is preparation For Him leading us In the world of glory Into all the Treasures That God has Things that are going to last forever things that will satisfy our souls but here we are and tonight we might not think we're doing anything astonishing just something we've done week after week for years maybe but we're actually getting prepared for the world to come we're being prepared through God's grace to one day taste his glory and that would be an astonishing thing won't it? and it's good we have a shepherd who behind us is constantly showing his goodness and mercy and one day in the world to come the grace and the glory that he will give then will be as close to us as his goodness and mercy is now the Lord's our shepherd I shall not want in this life or in the next shall we pray Lord we marvel at the way you deal with sinners you pardon them and then you provide for them you protect them one day is coming you're going to bring them as far as their souls are concerned into your presence in a way that they're not now and then after that however long it may be you're going to reunite their souls and bodies so they can be forever with you and when that day comes the apostle John tells us that we shall be like the shepherd because we shall see him as he is We realize Lord There are many aspects of the life to come That we don't understand But we thank you Lord You've given us pictures Images That help us to anticipate in some way The beauty and the satisfaction And the permanence Of your kingdom Grant Lord all of us we will be able to look at our days in this world as days in which you meet us with your goodness and mercy and days that prepare us for the world to come so grant that Lord we ask for your own name's sake Amen We'll sing Psalm 23 from the Scottish Psalter. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll no want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me in the quiet waters by. We'll sing the whole Psalm. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the